book of Galatians is a book of contrasts. For example, God's Son is contrasted with man's religion, and freedom in Christ is in contrast to slavery under the law, and the Spirit is in contrast with the flesh. To understand the depths of this book is to understand these great contrasts. Please stay with us for today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Today we have a marvelous message, I would say a liberating message, from the book of Galatians. And Francis Ball has joined us again. Welcome to our program, Francis. Thank you very much, Chris. And I really look forward to this clear word from the ministry of Paul in Galatians, given to us by Witness Lee. Well, Francis, Paul was really laboring, almost fighting in his letter to the Galatians, not fighting with them, but surely he was fighting for them. And in a very real sense, he was fighting for us as well, all God's people, really, who have been begotten unto a living hope, but have for one reason or another drifted into a kind of bondage or slavery in their Christian life. I'd like to read Galatians 2.4 and then ask you for your opening thoughts today, Francis. This again, Galatians 2.4. And this because of the false brothers brought in secretly who stole in to spy out our freedom, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into slavery. Yes, uh, Chris, this is quite a verse, and actually this is quite a book. I don't think we would be able to be so clear in some of the basic doctrines in the New Testament as far as practical application is concerned if it wasn't for the book of Galatians, and especially to liberate us from the false brothers. It doesn't mean they weren't brothers, but they were false in their concept about the law. And I think we're going to see some things opened up here that could really bring us into liberty. Francis, I'm looking forward to this program today because all of us, I think, at one time or another have uh, slipped into that very easy-to-fall-into trap of living a life that is somewhat duty-bound and going through the motions, thinking that what you're doing you have to do to please God, and this whole realm can become frustrating, depressing, and discouraging for any Christian. But there is a liberation if we are open to God's shining and his speaking today. That's right. We will see what this liberation really is today, I believe. Well, let's get to it. Let's join Witness Lee. This book is a book all the time showing us something better versus something not so good. You could see, firstly, it shows us that the Son of God is so superior, so wonderful. He is surely versus the religion of man. In chapter 2, verse 4, he tells us two things. The freedom in Christ and the slavery under the law. The freedom in Christ is versus the slavery and the law. Then there in chapter 3, you could see the spirit versus the flesh. You have many things so superior, so positive, so high versus something inferior, something low. Keep this in mind. You have to pick up this principle to understand this book. For you to get into the depths of this book, 
you must realize in this book there is a principle strongly adopted by the sweater to show us something superior versus something inferior. We have to get the proper definition of freedom in Christ. The Apostle Paul used three special negative terms to help us know that freedom in Christ is not a small thing. Number one, in verse 4 of chapter 2, Paul uses such a word. What word? He says that some false brothers brought in secretly. Number one. Number two, these false brothers stole in. They came in as a stealing one. And number three, to spy out. These kind of negative terms surely should give us an impression that the freedom in Christ is a great matter. What is freedom? Freedom in Christ is to be freed from all kinds of obligations. All kinds of obligations to the law, to the ordinances of the law, to the practice of circumcision, to the keeping of the Sabbath, even to the holding of the Levitical dietary regulation. All these things are gone. Freedom in Christ is a liberation from any kind of obligation. The proper freedom always affords us certain amount of satisfaction. Freedom implies satisfaction with the rich, adequate supply. The proper freedom is not only to be liberated from any kind of burden or obligations, but also to always support me, supply me with adequate materials that I may be fully satisfied. I'll be short of nothing. To be freed means what? means to be fully satisfied, fully supplied with the resources that I could be always satisfied. To be freed is surely to enjoy the proper rest. Today in Christ, we do not only have the liberation from all obligations, we do not only have the adequate satisfaction with sufficient supply, we also have rest. All together for items. Liberation from obligations. Satisfaction with adequate supply. Rest in full. And then the enjoyment of all what Christ is. This is our freedom. Francis, freedom in Christ is surely what we all desire. But freedom is a word that can mean a lot of different things. We might think that in Christ we're free to do whatever we want. But define for us what are the basic elements of the freedom in Christ as they are revealed in the New Testament. Well, I really like the way you put this, uh, Chris, because many times people do get some uh, view about freedom in Christ 
as being a liberation from anything that would uh, make it possible for us to do whatever we like, whatever we think. And sometimes people brought into uh, the truth that we're saved by grace through faith, and they feel like that's all there is to it, and we have been saved, and everything is okay, and we need to make the best of both worlds. But this is not really what Galatians is talking about in regard to the freedom in Christ. Actually, we could really see this in four points. First of all, this kind of freedom is liberation from an obligation to try to keep the law in its ordinances, in all its regulations. All these kind of things can subtly come in to rob us of the liberation that comes by the freedom that's in Christ. And then the second point, you might say, is the satisfaction that we have. When we have freedom in Christ, we have satisfaction and a rich supply. By satisfaction, I don't mean that we're satisfied with how we are. I mean that we in Christ can be satisfied that Christ in us makes us full of the rich supply that enables us to live by him as he is life to us. And then also this brings us into an enjoyment, a kind of enjoyment of rest that we're not under this kind of law-keeping concept. Keeping the Sabbath, for example, can be a real bondage to people. It's called a day of rest, but when you try to keep it as a law, you end up without any rest. So to be free from that kind of obligation is to really have the genuine rest, which is really what's meant by freedom in Christ. And then also, I would say the main thing is that we have the full enjoyment of Christ as a living person. He is everything in his rich reality to us. So these four aspects, I think, are really helpful for us to see that this liberty that we have in Christ is a liberty from law-keeping concept that these false brothers were trying to bring in. When we fall into the realm of keeping law as opposed to enjoying Christ, surely there's no freedom there. But the freedom spoken of is the freedom that enables us or brings us into more enjoyment of Christ. So if what we're experiencing is really not bringing us into a deeper, richer enjoyment of Christ, then it's probably not the freedom that Paul was speaking about. Exactly. We do have this kind of freedom of really enjoying Christ when we're abiding in him and not straining to try to keep certain kind of commandments. Well, we're going to see Paul, the very skillful debater or attorney in this coming section, Francis. Let's join Witness Lee once again. The slavery in Galatians is a slavery under law. Law is typified by Hagar. Hagar, as a concubine, didn't have any proper position. A concubine in the marriage life doesn't have any position. And this Hagar typified law. This gives us the deep impression that law doesn't have any proper position. In what? In God's promise and in God's grace. You know the story of Abraham. His wife Sarah. She was the wife. And she had the proper position in God's promise and in God's grace, but not Hagar. Hagar had no position. One day, 
the proper wife gave the commandment to the husband, telling Abraham, Abraham, cast out this maidservant, and cast out her son, Ishmael. Hagar didn't have any possession. This indicates strongly that the law has no possession in God's promise and in God's grace. To keep the Sabbath is just to put you into a concubine position. No position in God's promise. No position in God's grace. Have you thought about this? I'd like to check with you. Have you thought about the law is a concubine? Paul was a good debater. He said, suppose a law which was given was able to give life, then righteousness surely belongs to law. But law is of dead letters. Law doesn't have life. Law cannot give life. Law is unable to give life. And law, being unable to give life, cannot produce sons. But it can produce slaves. Ishmael was not a son. Ishmael was a slave. Hagar, she was unable to produce a son, a proper son, as an heir. Hagar was able only to produce a slave because the mother was not the grace. The mother was a maidservant. So the son must be a slave. All the law keepers are slaves. Are today's Ishmael's brought forth by Hagar, brought forth by keeping of law. Now has no life. Now is unable to give life. But law can produce slaves. The slaves under law strive to keep the law by the flesh. You look at Ishmael. Ishmael did a lot of striving. All the law keepers are slaves trying their best to keep the law not by the spirit but by their flesh, having no participation in God's promise. So, no enjoyment of life in grace by the Spirit. Francis, like any skillful debater, the Apostle Paul used pictures and proper allegories or analogies to illustrate his point. Let's talk for a minute about this analogy of Hagar as a type of the law. I think we need some basic understanding first before we get into the details of the picture. Who was Hagar, and how is her story helpful in seeing slavery under the law? This picture of Hagar and Abraham is very interesting. To see how this came in to be a relationship is even more interesting, because God made a promise to Abraham that he would have a seed, and that this seed would be the blessing for all mankind. But Sarah, his wife, was beyond age for producing a child, and they didn't have the full confidence in God's promise that it would be worked out. So eventually, Sarah says, 
Yes, God gave us the promise, but I'm unable to produce. Why don't you take Hagar? Hagar was a handmaid, but also became a concubine to Abraham. And through that concubine, we have a picture of what the law is to us. It's something brought in to uh, frustrate us from being participants of God's grace and God's mercy. God has a way of uh, bringing the reality of his economy to us with allegories. But if we don't see God's purpose and God's way of operating in his economy, we may be really full of wonder why such cases would be brought out in the Bible as Hagar, who was a concubine to Abraham. But this kind of relationship was really used by God to illustrate that there is such a thing as having the wrong standing to try to be under God's promise and under God's blessing. And that's what's illustrated by Hagar, the concubine of Abraham, who is a type of the law and is not in a position to bring us into the promises that God made. The promises of God to Abraham are only available to us through God's grace and not through the law. Hagar is called by Paul in Galatians 4 a picture of the law. And Ishmael, her son, is the result of trying to keep the law. So it brings us under a curse and not under God's blessing. It's really something that he would go back and grab this story, this picture from Genesis. Abraham, in uh, fellowship, we might say, with his wife Sarah, they come up with this good idea on how they can together somehow produce something to help God carry out his promise and purpose. This is really an analogy. Every time we separate the law from Christ and say, okay, we'll cooperate with the law and try to bring something forth that would be pleasing to God. It just isn't part of his eternal plan, is it, Francis? That's really the answer that we need to hear because uh, it is our attempt always to try to do something for God. Well, Francis, we've got one more section left in our message today on freedom in Christ, and there's a real liberating word ahead. Let's go back to Witness Lee. What is the freedom in Christ? Well, the freedom in Christ is that, number one, Christ is the life-giving spirit, imparting life into us by grace. Grace here means the process God to be our enjoyment. This is grace. When God called us, he called us by himself as the process one to be our enjoyment. Here, Christ, as the life-giving spirit, imparts life into us by what? By grace. By the process, the triune God as our enjoyment. The very eternal word, who was God, became incarnated and dwelt among us, full of grace. Now you can see what is grace. Full of grace, of his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. Dear saints, the very grace in the New Testament 
is just the very incarnated God. He comes to us as grace. Paul says, as an apostle, I labored more than all others. Then he said, it is not I, but the grace of God with me. Not I labored, but the very God who is grace to me. The grace which is God himself. He labored. The Lord Jesus, as the life-giving spirit, imparts life into our being. By what? By grace. By the process trying God I saw enjoyment. This grace was typified by Sarah. Sarah typified God's promise of grace. This grace is used by Christ to impart himself into our being as our life. This is absolutely different from love. Then life imparted by Christ producing sins like Isaac, the son of the free woman, to inherit God's promise. Then sons of promise who are away participating in God's grace of life, enjoying the freedom of life. As sons, we are now participating in God's grace of life. Enjoying the liberation, enjoying the satisfaction, enjoying the rest, and enjoying the full enjoyment of Christ. This is what we have in Christ as the freedom. And this is versus the slavery under love. Francis, the real freedom in Christ, freedom from the slavery of the law, comes by Christ being imparted into us through grace. In other words, to have freedom is to know and experience grace. What is the proper and full understanding of the grace that we need? Well, the common understanding, I would say, and which I'd heard for years, was that grace is unmerited favor. I used to hear this defined by using the letters G-R-A-C-E. They told me this means God's riches at Christ's expense. Well, that's okay, but that certainly doesn't give us a very solid understanding of what the revelation of grace is. The New Testament revelation of grace is really the very God incarnated who comes to us to be our enjoyment. The grace typified by Sarah, the real wife, is the means Christ uses to impart himself into us as life. This is absolutely different from the law. Grace is something that's imparted to us, or I should say someone who's imparted to us. That is Christ himself, or God in Christ, imparted into us as life. This is grace. When we receive Christ as life, we become sons of God to inherit the blessings promised by God for the fulfillment of God's purpose. 
I believe this is the best way to understand what this grace is. So as sons of promise, we participate in God's grace of life, and by this we enjoy the freedom of life. Boy, that is a wonderful definition. I'm appreciative that you were able to expand from what is the common and the traditionally uh, or most often heard one. Grace is our enjoyment of God who has been incarnated in Christ. It's a wonderful promise. Amen. We do appreciate this kind of uh, light from the Word of God. And whenever we experience grace, we really are experiencing all of the freedom that there is in Christ. Francis, we've got um, a number of programs left in the book of Galatians. Many of them, I think, will come near or maybe touch these points again. It's not something you can exhaust, uh, certainly in 28 minutes, which is our allotment on this uh, broadcast. So we'll invite you back very soon. In fact, we're going to have you back again tomorrow for another broadcast, but a little different topic. Before long, we'll be back to this topic as we further delve into the matters of grace and freedom in Christ and freedom from bondage and slavery in the book of Galatians. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much. And thank you for listening today to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. We enjoy exceedingly bringing these great, wonderful messages from the book of Galatians now to you. And we're also happy that we can offer you the printed copy of the entire message as it was given. And that is included in the individual volumes of the Life Study of Galatians. In volume number one, our current volume includes about 15 messages from the book of Galatians. These volumes are bound together in a very handsome set, gold-stamped covers, very nicely produced. If you've ordered any of our Life Study volumes in the past, uh, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, please contact us. We'd love to talk to you. We can tell you a little bit more about the individual volumes or about any of the other materials available through Living Stream Ministry. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. And as I mentioned, Francis will be back with us tomorrow. Again, I'd like to thank him for being with us today, and we invite you and hope that you'll join us then. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you very much for listening today.